You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the Best Life. business decision. If you want to legitimize yourself as a 25-year-old meathead in the Silicon Valley, you marry your fiance who's an Olympian who works at Apple who's also a chiropractor and a three-time world champion in four separate that. sports. Yeah. If you want to legitimize yourself yeah, as a businessman? Sure. Why? Because it says you're taking life seriously or what? Yeah. You can, that you you're can committed? Commit. Yeah. Like imagine like, oh yes, my boyfriend. Like it doesn't really have really? the same 100%. I mean, that's how I looked at it, whether or not that's how it was perceived. But you guys were together for a, lo- a while though. Yeah, pretty much met her right when I got off the plane in California. I think like six months in, I met her. Um, she was in, so my first six months of school, we do a quarter system. Uh, my first six months of school, she was overseas competing on a World Cup circuit for skeleton, preparing for the Sochi Olympics. Crazy. Yeah, oh, she's mental. She's one of the best. Like how you do one thing is how you do everything. Do you believe that? hundred percent. Really? Yeah. It's like, oh, I forget what book I was reading, but there was, they were talking about one of the Forbes 500 companies and they said one of the things that at the director level position and above, so like directors, VPs, one thing that the CEO requires is that you track down, oh, it was um, how to win friends and influence people. I think it was in that okay. book. And they were saying that you need to get, you need to produce your fourth grade report card because people don't change. And that's like kind of. See, a I just uniform. don't think that's true. We've really? actually had this conversation on the podcast. So, so what do you think? yeah, let's. I'll give you an example. So, a friend of ours we actually talked about on the podcast. Friend, like I use that term loosely. Other entrepreneur slash like influencer, whatever, wrote this book, and it was for men and how to like show up more like like what real masculinity is. Like okay. it's like show up, like be honest, be integrous, like all this kind of stuff, right? Uh, come to find out like a year and a half later that he's been cheating on his girlfriend. Oh, 100%. Because that's the same douchebag who writes that book. That's <laughs> what do it. you mean? Because there's there's some people who just hide it in plain sight. Like that's to me is so, that's like the 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 father sleeping with the altar boy. It's like, well, yeah, I could have told you that. He's praying all this like high goodness and go to heaven and don't sin. He's obviously having a go with the 12 year old. Like that's just so, when people are so forthright in in portraying that image it's like listen dude we all got skeletons man like you're just that's how you exercise your so demons. do you think that that person doesn't have because he teaches business too do you think that he is not uh, he's out of integrity in his business that there's nothing we can learn from him like do you mean do you think it's across the board 
I mean, it just sounds like imposter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. No. I would like, and there are people who, in my space, in like the uh, powerlifting fitness community, or I guess our space, yeah. who I won't touch with a 10 foot pole. Why? Because you fucking cheated on your wife who was pregnant with your second. You had a contractual obligation to to this person who you've been with and fathered their child. What the fuck are you? You'd stab me in the back as soon as look at me. There's no mm. way. Absolutely. I think it's. That's so interesting because we've talked a lot on the podcast about obviously both Danny and I's husbands had affairs. And like at the time, like it, it's cowardice, right? Like it's just, I don't respect the behavior. Like he, he looks it back and he's super embarrassed, but he did like a 180. That's the only reason we're friends now. You don't good, believe that people can change. Him. No. I really? Don't, I don't at all. I've never been proven the contrary. I've never been proven that people can't change. So do you have anything that you look back on and you're like, you know what? I'm kind of, well, because they say if you, if you look back on your past and there's not something you're embarrassed about that, like you're not growing. Do you f- oh, have anything uh, yeah, that I you I played look- Fade to Black in the grade 10 talent show on guitar. I was pretty embarrassed when I did that. You did I what? had hair to my shoulders. I used to be like, look like Harry Potter. That was pretty embarrassing. No, I don't. I've been the same cynic. Like I've been a 65 year old cynical old man since I was like, four years old i don't know i I don't i don't i I can't think of a single instance where it's like oh that was embarrassing so something happens in your life right like so okay let's talk about marriage you're in a relationship obviously it takes two people so it's not just always about like what you choose and how you choose to move and elevate and evolve and whatever like there's other people's to consider so your marriage when like can you just describe kind of for everybody like what kind of happened with you guys and like as much as you feel open to Oh, that. yeah, no. I mean, my wife was eight years, seven and a half years older than me. I mean, obviously, we knew that going in. Right. And then I was in... So she was going through the transition of, be, like, going from being, in, like, an elite-level athlete to, I don't want to say settling down, but, like, working in a career. And she got a really good job in Silicon Valley. She worked at Apple um, in a corporate wellness center. She's a chiropractor as well. And I was just on the upswing. Like, I you know, wasn't earmarked for world-class athletics, but in the industry I'm in, in the space that I'm in, applied biomechanics, strength and conditioning, somehow by God's good graces, got some opportunities that slowly began to start to propel me in the right direction. And, and my focus became solely on that. Whereas when we first started dating, her focus was solely on sports. Like one of the first conversations we had was she said, I train six days a week. I'm up at 5 a.m. and I'm on my bicycle by 5.30 to get to the gym. This is going to be an issue. We can stop right now. Dude, if I had a ring right then and there, <laughs> let me tell you, on day one, I would have been on one knee. Why? Um, because it was an example of someone who like, what, had their own Because how you do one life. thing is how you do everything. Okay. And, this, like, and it's, it's true to this day. Like She's an absolute monster. Like, and not in a bad way or anything like yeah, that, but just like way. a work ethic, like admirable, like just get and shit you just done. that yeah and i still do to this day like and because that doesn't change but what changed was the identity and i see this a lot in playing like high level sports kind of my whole life is like i was a hockey player mm-hmm. i was a hockey player until the second i got on that plane and moved to california and then i didn't i wasn't a hockey player anymore i didn't know what to do right i was like going to the gym i used to train in the off season to get better at hockey advance my status play at a higher level be more competitive make money and then all of a sudden it was like going to the gym one day, do a couple bicep curls, maybe I'll do some calf raises the next day, <laughs> ah, I'll deadlift, whatever. It's just like totally lost. And that one, I mean, I played, you know, semi-professional hockey in Ontario, whatever. You know, I didn't... I feel like this is a big deal for a kid because uh, like, well, hockey's I mean, like Canadian. It's a big deal, like... yeah, but in, in relative perspective to walking through 
opening ceremonies representing your country Crazy. in Vancouver yeah. 2010. It's like piddly compared. It's like, <laughs> oh, there, there. You're adorable. Like there's a book by Sports Illustrated columnist named David Epstein called The Sports Gene. And yes, I've heard of it. My ex-wife is in it. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and like she's she's like, it's kind of like the talent code. Have you read the talent code? Too? I haven't. I've heard okay. of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, she's she's like cited in this book. Like she's a she's an indomitable force. Like you put her in anything athletic, and she'll. We took her. I uh, took her to Toronto like six years ago. Never been on skates before. Just skating circles around everyone. Like that's yeah. crazy. I wish that I, I had that gene. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. But long story short, is like as. She, you know, the hard transition. It was hard for me as a, you know, a kid who just liked to fight on skates, and AKA playing hockey in Ontario, <laughs> not having that anymore. So I couldn't even imagine like transitioning out of, out of like the highest level of your sport. And not just that. I mean, she, I think she's a three-time world champion in like three other sports or something like that. Yeah. She's That's insane. Crazy. Yeah. Um, so to transition from that now into like, okay, I got to dress up every day and go work very much as corporate of a job as you can have in our field like working at a wellness center in the silicon valley cool. is like a sort of peak professionalism and like you're given very little yep. leash um as far as like yeah. latitude with patients or anything like that like it's a it's a treatment but it's also kind of a service too yeah um so she struggled she's with a that. chiropractor too she's a chiropractor okay, well. cool. yeah, yeah. Yep. um so i mean she struggled with that and then as her focus shift shifted getting a bit older um as mine like i was just like okay i just need to work hard enough at something that i'm not bored and that hopefully she looks over and be like hey, what the fuck are you doing what are you doing are you making <laughs> yeah. money all right okay i'm gonna go back and do my thing and then once like her focus shifted it was just kind of like and again this is my there's sure. three sides every story right there's mine and hers and and probably and the, the story yeah yeah um and then as her focus shifted to me my focus was shifting on my career and a career that has me traveling seemingly indefinitely now. And then it was tough for like like a year. It was like I was always on the road. And it's like it's I'm on the road and I'm not enjoying it because I feel guilty that I'm gone. Right. I'm on the road and she's not enjoying it because she's got to, you know, kind of go at all this herself. And then it was just kind of like a conversation was had and we removed kind of blame from emotions. Like, okay, you feel this way. I don't blame you for that. Here's my stance. She did the same thing. And then it was kind of like, not, not as clean as turning of keys, but as amicable of a situation as I think you could find yourself in given the circumstances. It's interesting to see you guys just go like, it is what it is. The reality is this. Hmm. And then how do you like, what about feelings? Like, are you just like, oh, like I'm gonna like, like I miss you. Like, I miss the thing we had. Let's celebrate this thing we had. Like, how does that work? Yeah, it I mean, it's like, sort of it like an Irish clinical. wake style, right? Like, I think that's the best way to describe. It. Are you familiar with an Irish wake? Uh, where it's yeah. like an Irish person dies, they don't have a funeral. They also go to a bar and get plastered. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm so super that, Irish, yeah, that's how you do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like it's almost like that. Like every now and then, Facebook says, "Hey, idiot, this is what you were doing five years ago," and it's just like, oh, okay, that sucks, but. I think we're both in a position that, and, and for the for better or for worse, like I just love what I do, and that was a no brainer. Like not a no brainer. Does that mean that there's not space in your life for a relationship, or does it just mean that like you're not available for the like stay at home, maybe have try to have kids like that? You're not available for that. Right now in my career, it's like I feel, and whether it's the right answer or not, like I feel like I have to be on the road. Like, I have to be in different places because I mean building a business online as you know is it's 
still somewhat uncharted waters. Like there's a thousand ways to skin a cat and I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong answer, but for me and, and what I do and what I'm trying to come off as, hopefully there's a narrow dissonance between what I want to do and come off as, but I feel like I need to be traveling and be in front of people and lecturing in different cities. Like there's a certain amount of credibility that comes with being in New York, Miami, San Francisco, LA, UK, Middle East, like there's right. a certain amount of legitimacy that comes with that. Um, and I enjoy it. Like I enjoy traveling. I enjoy and that it. wasn't really a possibility for her. No, I mean, corporate job, right? Like never. Um, yeah, I mean, not really a, like, a sport background that lends itself to the social media sphere, yeah. which, you know, the, you live and die by the sword. It's really annoying, but at the same time, it, it helps pay the bills and makes all these trips possible for me. So... It was just kind of like a disconnect where it was either I stay grounded and do the whole like white picket fence and yep. move to Australia and, and all that. Like had a pretty good deal lined up. Like yep. had a house in in the in the beaches in um uh, where would it have been? Cornella Beach, South Shire, Sydney suburbs. Yeah. Um yeah, on the beach, view of the water all that but it required moving yeah it, it required me not being to a certain degree like being able to do what i'm doing now right and it was just like you know even though the promise of like oh yeah no you can still travel if we have kids like i'm not a piece of shit like right. oh, well, i don't think i am anyways like i know if i have kids like i'm still i'm gonna want to stay around i'm not gonna be like an absentee father like as much as of a, of a meathead as i am like some of my best friends who are like before they had kids it was like live sleep eat train that's it yep and the second that thing was born i don't know if, I, I know some people who've never been back to the gym like yeah. that's like yeah. their sole focus yeah. and even like and it like kind of has to be a little bit it's like not fair i mean i think there's like balance and stuff but i'm the same way like i know for me like i don't know online business is great but it's also it's not it can be like up and down like months fluctuate so yeah. it's like i gotta go to work fucking if i have kids i gotta work and that's becomes even moving forward like a really difficult thing to explain to someone because it's not a normal job like <laughs> i've had some really interesting conversations in the last i don't know six to eight months where it's like i mean brutally honest maybe to a fault where it's like you are not and likely will not ever be my <laughs> my top priority so it's just it's like valid though yeah, and it's I'd rather that transparency out of the yes, gate. Yes, one hundred percent. Because here's the thing: it's like if I meet someone, it's like, listen, I've known you for twenty minutes. I'm I'm very much okay with having a very blunt and potentially awkward conversation. Totally. Relatively speaking, you mean absolutely nothing to me. Yeah. You don't you don't have my dog that I've had for four and a half years, my apartment that I lived in. You don't go like own the vehicle. Like, it's like I could say any. It's such a freedom to have because it's like. I think, and a lot of times in that situation, like both parties, but guys especially, will dress up their image and they'll play nice to get a yeah. seat at the table, so to speak. And it's just like, uh, nope, I don't have to do any of that. I because it's like well, whatever, take it or leave it. You know, it's. I want to ask you about that because Danny, who is not able to be here today, um, she has been traveling a ton too, so she's like kind of like has this nomadic type lifestyle. Um, similar to you and she it's been a real big issue for a lot of guys that she's been meeting like and they're like well when are you going to be back and she's like I don't know so like you have to either like keep up with me or be okay with like there being times where like I'm on the road and like this is what I'm doing and so it's has you have you met a lot of people who that's like definitely a deal breaker for them all of them all of them 
Well, it's hard too. Like my age, I'm 20, 28, and it's like I'm basically just setting up the same problem—not the same problem again, but it's as if I meet girls my like the same age. It's like, oh, almost thirty, looking to settle down. It's like I'm barely—I like to think or hope that I'm barely just hitting my stride. Yeah. Like I've been on—I tried to tally it the other day, like how many flights I've been on since January. I think I've been in the air for like. A week and a half total, maybe more, like 40, 50, 40 flights, and it's April. Do you ever get lonely? No, because I love what I do. If I ever, if I don't, I just get to, I, I can go to any coffee shop, bust out my laptop and write something. Write something that people will read or, or write a curriculum that's going to teach. I mean, I have a contract now with a corporate gym in Canada. It's like, just thinking about like the level of reach that'll have, like, 400 500 clubs across the country if i write the curriculum each one of these personal training departments each one of those trainers is going to train however many people that year and then maybe hundreds or thousands over their career and it's like if they start perpetuating like the things i'm saying it's like holy shit lonely no whatever i'll watch i don't know netflix or something <laughs> and it's just or i'll go to the gym it's like no way that that does way more for me than human interaction ever will do you ever see like i don't know your friend you said your friends a lot of them maybe aren't married but maybe they're in relationships are you does that is that desirable for you or are you just like do you feel jealous do you ever have those moments of like the grass is greener or you're just like absolutely not no. like blinders on it's not even blinders it's like i've seen the other side and it's like i don't want anything to get like when i was a kid you know who Charles Charles Pollock one is? Yeah. That's who I rest wanted to be. Peace. Right. Yeah. It's like Dude, his forums are massive. Yeah. I saw him yeah. in Nature Bad. May he rest in peace. But it's like I I never like as bad as it sounds, like as a kid growing up, especially a guy, you don't think about being married. It's just sort of like a consequence of growing up. Not a consequence in a negative connotation, yeah. but like a a byproduct of growing yeah. up. And I think I was like kind like, of a default a little bit. Yeah, and I think a lot of my behavior may have been driven by whether it was there or not, like a like social pressure of like this is what you do, and as much as I denounced any uh, permeability to social pressure, I think I was probably the biggest victim of it all. It's well, like, you also got married at twenty five, which is early. I but I, I ran the playbook. What do you do? You go to undergrad, yeah. you go to grad school, you come out of grad school, you get a job, you find a girl, you get married. Yep. And as much as I was, I was like a counterculture kid and like stuck my nose up to authority and the way of doing things. That's exactly what I did. So I graduated. I wasn't even graduated yet. I was finishing my last six months of grad school. And when we got, um, no, it would have been August, August 2015, we got married. Or sorry, August, yeah, August 5th, 2015, we got married in San Francisco City Hall. And then December 10th of that year, I graduated. Wow. So I wasn't even in practice yet. So when did it shift for you where you were like, Okay, like I actually think there's a different script here. There could be a different narrative. Um, it, it was like, it was almost like we went by each other and started like just a wave where it was like, and I don't mean that like literally, but kind of in a way with my travel schedule, literally, where it was her focus was shifting towards me as my focus was ever more shifting towards my career. And it was just sort of like we had this meeting point and then we looked at a threshold and I think we were below the threshold where it's like time is obviously a consideration. So yep. like she wants to have a family and it's like sure. I don't want to A, slow down. Um, I was just getting 
like a lot like my travel schedule was getting booked a lot and I was like I, I can't walk away from this right now like I would regret and resent and I think that's like sure. the biggest fear is the resentment part because like, we're we're cool now like yeah. she'll take me pictures of the dog she's gonna go to Australia I'll fly in I have a very malleable schedule so if anything ever happens that she needs to pick up and go I can also pick up and go and look after him which is good peace of mind for her but if I think if it were to carry on one of us would have to sacrifice something and we're not the personality types do not get our own way to a certain degree, yep. uh, which worked up to a point where we both had external fixations. But once those gazes started to not, um, or once one of the gazes started to turn inward and like I was looking outward, it was just like, okay, mm-hmm. we need to make a decision and we need to make it fast. Now, when you went to chiropractic school, did you know that you wanted to like do what you're doing now? Or was it like the script was going to be, okay, I'm just going like, to see patients and I'm going to work in a clinic and whatever. And then like at what point were you like, oh, there maybe I could travel. Like that seems, I mean, to someone listening, they're probably like, cool, how do I fucking take my show on the road? Like how did you, how did that happen? If you go you? looking for it, you'll never find it in my experience. Really? I think so. I have no idea. Cause I think if I, if this was my plan, I probably would have got there with a lot less headaches than I currently struggling with. Um, how did it start? Uh, I was in chiropractic college and there's a, there's a guy, he's a fitness industry dude. Um, his name's Craig Caperso. Mm-mm. In the final year of chiropractic college, he started working out at the gym I was training at in Santa Clara. By then, I had sort of found my stride with training and like was back into, um, not into competitive powerlifting, but started to lift a little bit heavier. And everyone in school kind of knew who he was. He was just another guy who was like in the way. So rather than like asking for a picture, I kind of pulled the, hey, that was your last set, right? Like, go on, I don't care who you are, you're at my gym. And he's got this long Fabio hair and all this. Anyways, what do you mean everyone knew him like he was like the fit? Bodybuilding.com. Oh, okay. Got it, got it, got it. Uh, had a really big Influencer um, type. prominent right. supplement sponsorship at the time. Like, is he one of the original Mind Pump dudes? Yeah. Okay. Gregor. So wow. they actually, so we interviewed the Mind Pump guys yeah. uh, at Paleo FX last year. And they meant, they like mentioned that. Yeah. yeah. That's funny because that's how I got connected with Adam. Oh, okay. Was I was training with Craig. He's like, oh, you got to meet you gotta meet my buddy Adam. And we're so like funny. doing this podcast. Yeah. And that was like me and Adam. When, it, when This is when Adam was still competing. Oh my so God. he's like actually like looked like he worked out. Not like fucking <laughs> whatever. Hey, Adam, I didn't say it. Oh, I'll say it. I'll say it to his face. <laughs> um, but no, so I worked out with him. And then he started to talk about like the inside of the industry. Just like not in an educational I'll take me under my wing sort of thing. Right. Just like in between sets, he was just like, oh, fuck, I got to like write content. I'm like, content what are you talking about like i have to write exams and papers what's this content nonsense you speak of and he like showed me his email blast his website and i'm like you send that to people like you that really here dude let me please allow me to write why something. because it wasn't good ah, just i mean i don't know like i was halfway through grad school i've been studying kinesiology and applied biomechanics for six or seven years now it's like it seemed a little remedial and he was just, he's a smart guy, but he was talking to his audience. And this yeah. is something that I'm coming to realize now is very yeah. important. Is like it often accused of being overcomplicated in my approach. So I realize now why he was doing what he's doing. But in my, like, in my naive approach to his problem, I was like, let me write for you. So every year or every week on Wednesday for the last year of grad school, I wrote an article for this guy. And he sent it out through his email subscriber list of 25, 30,000 people. And then I was like, all right, well, I, I should probably try and like, I didn't have an Instagram at the time. I wasn't like Facebook. I didn't really like social media. Once MySpace died, I was like, fuck that. Me and Tom. Were you were, on, you were on MySpace? Yeah. I was like, any 60, I had a song. I know, I was going to say, what was your song? 
Are you like doing HTML in the background? Like, oh yeah, there was there was definitely like a Hurley backdrop in there somewhere. <laughs> oh come on! Uh, I think I actually had a custom one done at one point. Wow. I was competing at the time, so it was like dedication. So it was a picture of you. It was all j- oh yeah, it was oh, all just modeling photos, God. and it was dudes being like, "Hey, what's up?" Like that was it. The my audience is like ninety percent over me. Well, that's funny because that's my audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's like eighty percent women. But uh, what was I saw? I don't know. Like okay, so you wrote articles for Craig yep. for a year. Yeah. Um, and is, did he kind of give that you the introduction to social media then? Uh, indirectly, yeah, like and indirectly through, and and I really admire him for it because he, I'm sure till this day despises it, but he also disclosed without bragging some of the money he could make from it. Like, what? They're paying you how much for what? That? Are you serious? I'm so surprised. I feel like you have to, on some level, like it to keep doing it. Like that's your t- like enjoyment's your compliance tool. Otherwise, like you just. Um, I think you can like. You can habit stack if you've read um, yeah. Atomic Habits. Yeah. And I think that's what I do. Because I think the problem, it's in there somewhere. It's I love it. Yeah. Uh, well, I got to take a look at this. This is a nice little reading library. Adam Grant, that jumps off the... Anyways. Oh, yeah, um, I, I think, and this is a problem I'm seeing, is like if you allow like followers and likes and subscribers and all that to be like absolute KPIs then those lows become low and the weeks are slow and then you feel like you got to feed the machine sort of thing. Yep. So I, I keep it at arm's length as best I can um, and try to keep like an understanding that this is this is a means. It's not my only means. And I think that's nice about having like a diversified offering where I can actually show up in person. It's yeah. like w- with some of the contracts I have, it's like they don't necessarily care that I have a social media following or not. I can just rock up and teach they just and want get paid. Your intellectual property, is yeah, okay. which I think is great because up until this point, it's seemingly an infinite resource. Because I think the curiosity I have for the disciplines that I educate myself on and educate others on is is seemingly infinite. Um, and I say seemingly because I'm sure one day I'll get just sick of it. Have you ever had a, like a? Um, I know we're all over the place, but have you ever had a like a creative drought? No. Oh fuck! I had my first one three years in to online business and I freaked the fuck out. I was like, I don't have any ideas. I have no thoughts in my head. Like it was a struggle. Transient. I've had a several since. Yeah. Uh, my biggest concern, I have a book in draft now on applied biomechanics and I feel like that's my whole brain. And I was just like, well, you can just get rid of the vessel. I'm just sucking air and racking up huge grocery bills. Let's it's hope like, it sells. Yeah. And I don't oh, care if kidding. it never Dude, sells. It's going to be the next thing. It's always like, okay, well, then what's next? There's always going to be the next iteration or like, who knows? Like, you might just, I don't know, five years from now, be talking, teaching business. Like, you just don't know. <laughs> no, I got a pretty good idea the way oh, yeah, I run my company. Oh, I forgot you were 65 since you were four. Is I'm not going to run it. Or if I do, no one should listen to me. <laughs> you have you it here know. on the record. Um, so no. you started doing social media a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. And then simultaneously, um, uh, there's a guy at the same gym. Uh, this There's a gym in Santa Clara, California. It's now American Barbell Club. It used to be Gold's that like the most pivotal things in my life happened at the same squat rack. So I met my wife at the squat rack. Oh my God. Um, I met uh, Craig Caperso at the squat rack and I met a guy named Bill Newman. Now Bill's uh, contribution to the story is Bill was a very competitive powerlifter. He was super heavyweight, like a 308 pound powerlifter. Wow. Massive. Yeah. Um, and he would train a little bit at Gold's and a little bit at this gym called Boss Barbell Club, which years later would be my first private practice so boss barbell is owned by a very prominent powerlifter his name is dan green he's now a close friend of mine and through me interacting with bill at this one gym and bill going to train with dan at at another 
Dan was getting injured, but his biggest issue being, you know, 275 pounds of solid muscle was a chiropractor, physical therapist, can't really do anything to him. Right. He's like, no, I got like this kid that I know at this gym that I train at. Just so why? Because you can't like physically, no one can physically His leg him. is about the size of this table. <laughs> like he's just a massive, I mean, squats, squats in the eights, pulls in the eights, five foot Crazy. seven, 275 pounds. I've seen him as low as 6% body fat. Jeez. Yeah, so it's just like it was a logistical problem and he kept having recurring issues and Bill was kind of like, I don't know, this kid, he's like in school for it if you want to roll the dice and was able to help him out while I was still in school. So in my last year of school, I went from, I wrote an article every week for Craig and his website and then I would work with Dan and I would drive out to his gym and work with him two hours a week, two separate hour sessions a week on top of going to school and working at Apple and that sort of started to steamroll things professionally from a legitimacy standpoint because my role at apple then gave me enough silicon valley i've got for lack of a better term clout mm -hmm. um, to make a transition to stanford university and then the uh, compiling compounding effect of working with craig and then dan sort of springboarded sort of the fitness industry um, social media campaign thing i was just able to kind of very messily piece it together from there and one sort of fed off the other i think to a certain degree because i think once you accrue some social capital especially as a, like a chiropractor right? right like that's who i'm competing against right. even as a power lifter now when i go to meets i'm not competing against other powerlifters i really i can't these guys are insane but fuck if i'm not the strongest chiropractor in right. silicon valley right so that's always how i look at it um and also, there's like a, there's like an opportunity switch there too, because we think, oh, chiropractor, like, how could you possibly work outside of a office? Yeah, like there's like not really a script for that. Yeah, that was, I mean, a recent transition that's been a bit difficult. Like, I I miss private practice to a certain degree. Like when I was at Apple, I would see 250 patients a week. Well, then I transitioned into private practice where I would see no more than 20. Um, now on the road, I just keep a handful of clients who, so if you want me somewhere their retainer basis like that I'm like on a plane. Or yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's good. I, I think whether, I mean, the work hasn't changed, but I think, I mean, they've done studies on like bioavailability of medicine given like, through different mediums mm -hmm. and it's, it's weird, but if people get better, I don't necessarily care if they pay me more or not. Um, but like, imagine if I gave you um, like a capsule mm -hmm. of acetaminophen I gave you a tab of acetaminophen. I gave you a liquid of acetaminophen. I gave you an injection of acetaminophen. Injection, obviously. Injection, right? And it's like, it's almost the same when you build yourself up through social media. It's like, because, you know, I, I know for a fact that I have people I work with who I'm, I'm, I'm her. I'm a dog in a purse. Because when they're around, they're much richer friends at the country club. And they're talking about their chiropractor. They can just open up their phone and be like, look at this guy. Look what he could lift. And it's, it's silly. It's a status yeah, thing. Yeah. But I, I know that's part of it. And hey, man, if, I gotta, if, I gotta, if you have to play the game, win the game. It's so interesting to me, you know, because since we've been talking, you've mentioned things around perception like quite a few times. Because I do believe, and I'd be interested in your take, that at the beginning, especially on social media, because everyone's kind of the same. Everyone kind of has the same credentials, like especially if you're just a personal trainer or a health coach, like everyone's kind of here. So they're looking for that opportunity to like to be someone else, which is why like Danny and I are actually like trying to get more print work now, which is like retro because both of us were have multiple magazine covers and stuff like that, but from like 10 years ago and we're going like, cool, what can we do now? That's, that means something to someone else. I don't give a fuck. Like if I'm on, a, like to me, it doesn't really matter anymore. It did 10 years ago, 
but now it's more of like a perception thing. So like at the beginning, I think perception is important, whether or not it's justified. I mean, it needs to be fucking true. But like, and obviously as a marketer, this is what I teach my clients is like, how do you position yourself to look like, I don't know, for example, your personal trainer and you've um, maybe conducted 10,000 personal training sessions. And you probably have. If you've been a personal trainer for like 10 years, you probably have. Like that's something you put on social media that sounds like a legit like preframe in a way. You know what I mean? Or some, if you don't have anything else. Yeah. So like do you feel like it sounds like you've done a lot of that kind of stuff to position yourself above other chiropractors, pyrolifters, whatever. Retroactively. It's like I had no planned like i still feel like (laughs) i can't wait for six months to go by me to tell another story because it's like i i have no business sense i just know what i'm super passionate about and that's what i do and if someone says something that i disagree with then i'll you know vehemently yell into the instagram stories and or podcasts or whatever and it's just i to a certain point where it's like not not like in, in an obnoxious arrogant like you can't hurt me kind of way, but like, what are you, you going to say? You can't hurt me. Like, no, and again, like, yeah, I, not, I, in the internet. I, not in like some Mike Tyson kind of no. fisticuffs way, but like, I still get to wake up tomorrow regardless of how I'm perceived. And that's sort of a freedom that I've graduated to. And whether it's, that's justified or not, it's just the once you can actually start saying what you want rather than just like, playing the game of like the low level. And I don't mean, I actually don't think that even works, by the way. Especially no. now. No, and I th- I think you have to like, there's a certain level of authenticity and passion that you can't fake. And I think right. every time I get a message from someone on social media, and I don't want this to be like a deterrent to people to reach out, but it's just, I never ask for help for anyone. I ask like, what problems can I solve for you, right? Like Craig, hey yep. man, like you have this problem where you're bitching. It's like, I have time. So, you know, there's, what is it? Uh, money, money, time, and resources right those are like those are like your ways you can get paid yeah contribute so it's just like i i didn't have so what do people reach out to you about do they reach out oh like just trying to like hey man how did you get to where you're at it's like like, how do you even answer that question though yeah first off the the presupposition that where i'm at is a desirable place is like (laughs) off to interpretation it's like i don't i don't know i'm on I fly economy like fuck up 270 pounds it's not the best (laughs) thing in the world middle seat uh But it's just like, uh, I, I, and when I get those questions, it's kind of like, if you have, like, it's you're going, you're looking for it. You know what I mean? And it's like, I was lucky that I just had a super imposition of what I'm like super, super passionate about and also a career path that could, I could actually like feed myself with. What do you say, like, if someone's like, I hear you, I don't know what I'm passionate about. I don't really know what my purpose is. Like, I think those words can like, people can feel like shame or like they just feel confused over that. You say that you didn't ever knew and I'm, I'm very similar, but like if someone's trying to figure out what they can be that passionate about or you just, I, is it just innate? Like, I, yeah. Just I, I don't know. Cause I don't know. I don't know what existence outside of my own. Like, I don't know what that really feels like. Cause it was hockey from, I mean, I could walk, I could skate before I could walk. Like I read every hockey magazine and yes, there's hockey magazines. <laughs> um, like, and that was, I, that's all I did. Yep. Like I remember losing when I was like 14 and no one cared, but I remember like losing in the playoffs and I went to the gym that night and it's like, I, I was mediocre at best, but that was what I was super passionate about. And then slowly that started transitioning into training. So I've never had a lapse or a time frame in my life where I wasn't externally preoccupied by something. So do you uh, think that we are 
good at something once you become interested in it or we're once we're good at it we become more interested in it i mean if i mean there's there's a metaphysical and epigenetic answer to that yes i think to a certain degree uh the the former it's like you're good at something that makes you interesting at it but i was never good at hockey when i first started um but over time like i think it's as corny as it sounds it's like you need to enjoy whatever the process is yeah um like Not whether corny. Whether that's training, whether that's education, whether that's hockey or whatever, I think if people aren't maybe process oriented, oriented by nature, that might be of a, a, like a huge detriment. Because if you experience failure at something and you're not, you don't enjoy the process of improvement, it's like, well, up. you're done. Yeah, because it's like that's going to be the rest of your life is failing miserably at everything you do. You might as well get used There's to something it. in psychology research called failure expectation. And I feel like people who have the resiliency to like keep going is like, yes, they're super passionate and they're process oriented, but they also expect that it's not gonna be easy. Whereas I teach a lot of like entrepreneurs how to build businesses. And I'm like, you've been doing this four months. Like shit is not easy, but like they just quit because it's so hard or because they encounter a technological issue or like something like that. So how do you start to help People, I mean, even in powerlifting, like I know sometimes it can be a grind. So if you're coaching someone and they're just like, I'm not getting better, I'm not progressing, we know it's not a linear progression. How do you manage the expectations of your clients? So that's tough because the one thing I love about training and I love about like my career to this point is that I see a very good yield from the effort I put in where it's like in relationships, whether it be personal or like, and I don't want to like romantic relationships or anything like that. Sometimes like, I mean, I have friends that I'm not friends with anymore because it's like I can put in X and not receive Y. And I look at something that's inefficient. I go, nope, we're done here. This is, there's only so much time I have left. And with the way I live, it's probably less than it should be. So fuck that. I'm out of here. Um, so with, I mean, with powerlifting, it helps that I have like a very objective lens to look through and have a lot of experience where it's like, if we're not getting the right answers, we're not asking the right questions. So it, that just becomes like an academic pursuit for me where it's like, oh, okay, all right. They're in decreasing order of likelihood. You're weak in your deadlift based off your technique from here, 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 and here, and here. Next training block, we're going to overload these movements. We're going to spend duration in these positions and we're going to deload this way and we'll manipulate time, distance, load, intercept variability. And it's like, if you have that depth of knowledge, like we can usually get there. It might not be first first go, but mm -hmm. I feel like as long as I have an answer and because I have an academic background, I can I can I can roadmap that for them, which twofold benefits because I think there is a there is a benefit to just saying like oh no, you just need to work harder and actually having an a, a, an approach yes. like a cerebral approach, but also like if I can go to that level of depth, there's buy-in, and once you have buy-in, you've won. Right, like you can give the same program, one with that explanation, one without. The one with the explanation is going to perform better. Like one of the one of the, I mean, the two jobs I, the real jobs that I had was one working at Apple, and it's like I need, and that's what really like was a catalyst for my own personal development was. I mean, I walk into a room and there's a guy who invented the iPhone 10 or the iPad Pro. He's a double PhD from MIT. And Tim Cook looks at this guy and goes, yeah, man, like you got to, can you do this? Can you make it look like this? And he goes, what the fuck? Like, how am I supposed to do it? Out of your goddamn mind, you slave driver. And so with that expectation on him, he walks into whether he knows it or not into my office and then goes, 
yeah, so like my neck needs to not hurt by like tomorrow because I got to fly to Shenzhen. So, huh? And it's like, all right, here's what your problem is. Here's your issue. Here's how you fix it. Here's how you prevent it long term. So it's like a lot of this stuff that I learned in chiropractic college was just like, it's kind of like this weird it's like problem solving. I mean, basically. Well, no, I learned that through the public court of opinion and working with like high functioning Asperger's nerds at Apple. But in chiropractic college, it's sort of this like indoctrination of like the God of the gaps theory where it's like, I don't know, just make the, make the joint, like make a bunch of sounds and you'll be fine. <laughs> it's like, whoa, you can't sell that to like someone with like a, a 200 IQ, or, right? Yeah, so it's like, yeah. There was almost like, well, you know, Lord works in mysterious ways. <laughs> I'm out the room. It's like, ah, no, 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 no. You got to come back here and explain. Well, that I lived me. in the South for a while, and you'd be surprised at how much that works. I mean, no offense yeah, to you. Yeah, that's God South, country. Yeah, it's very, it's very, that's another world. podcast in itself. Um, but so I, I had to jettison a lot of things I thought I knew, which actually, when you distilled down a lot of it, was just like, <laughs> was just like a philosophical approach. It wasn't a physiological approach. So that was super helpful. And like, okay, what exactly am I doing? And then being able to explain that to someone mm -hmm. who has that expectation. And it, it wasn't an easy process, but I had a lot of practice. It was 250 patients a week for yeah. a year. That's, that's more people. That's more patients than I would argue that most people see five or 10 years into practice. Um, so I had a very high concentration of, and I don't want to say like experience from the, um, from the mindset of treating symptoms, but in the mindset of treating patients. And that was like one of the things. It's the same shit every day. Yep. Yep. My neck hurts, my back hurts. Why? Because you've been sitting for 24 hours straight trying to hit a crazy deadline. Like Apple's a, a meat grinder when it comes to work ethic and demand. Like they'll pay you a lot, but you're also doing the job of seven people. Yeah. Um, well. So that was like invaluable. And then transitioning into the athletic realm from there to Stanford University, it's like, A, I have to tell kids what to do who have never been told what to do like ever. Like you're talking diplomats kids you're talking professional golfers like some of the most one of the most prominent professional golfers in the world his daughter was on the rugby team and it was just like if you don't have a phd level dissertation on everything that they do and they'll they smell blood especially the girls holy fuck so nerve-wracking <laughs> it's like i walk into a room of like 17 17 or 18 17 or 18 year old girls and i'm like i'm fucking mortified <laughs> like because with the guys it's like i can beat the chest and drag the knuckles and be like all right one more sort of thing but with them it's like because like what, a couple of the girls their professor was condoleezza rice <laughs> how do you go from like secretary of state of the bush administration to this jackass like <laughs> tell me again why i should listen to you i've never seen you on fox once right so it's like just being able to manage expectations and and on your feet, be able to explain what you're doing from a training side, like that development of mindset and those two like very Silicon Valley centric institutions was invaluable in my approach. Cause it's without that, I, I don't, I'd still probably be like, Oh yeah, we know we just got to like adjust your neck or whatever your chiropractors say. Yeah. It's so interesting because it sounds like you have a, um, like a very clinical approach, like kind of like you see, I don't know, like you see it as a puzzle more. And I think, I don't know if this is a generalization, but for women, especially because I work with mostly women is we, we take our failures a lot more personally, I think, than what you're describing. So for example, if I'm trying to build my business or even if I'm trying to like hit a PR or whatever, I will take it to mean like, and I don't hit it, it means like, I'm not good. Like I shouldn't be doing this. Like we catastrophize like 10 steps further. And same thing with online business, right? I'm trying to build this thing. I'm trying to put out a program. No one bought it or I only five people bought it instead of 20 people, like whatever it is. 
and then we just want to pack it up because we it's like that it's that like like I said that kind of resiliency mindset it sounds like you just look at everything like it's a problem to be solved it doesn't need a subjective like remove the emotion and go cool like you didn't hit your thing this time back to the drawing board we just need to like you know to go like i'm weak i shouldn't be doing this i don't know what other option you have like to, so for here's the distinction be, I, would make. I think to be an expert i think not. you need to be outcome focused not income focused and that's like a big distinction i was able to draw is like even with my own lifting or with my clients lifting or with my own practice or it's like it comes back to the process thing where it's like i just i just want to like my, what really like when you ask me if i like get lonely it's like fuck no like there's no way because when i when i talk and i get a message from someone who like listen to me talk like hey man like i was like i couldn't squat or bench for like three years i just did that like that one thing that i've never been told that you synthesized and told me to do and i can do that because for me like if i couldn't bench for two years Oh, easy. Silver bullet behind the shed. Like, old yellow, <laughs> just fucking put me under. And it's like, maybe maybe they're passionate about it. Maybe they're not to that level. But like, for me, that's like, is as if I cured myself of that issue. So it's like. I, I, so that I, fills you up in a way. Like you take oh, that yeah. in and like, that's and just like, okay, cool. It You can feel the difference that you're making. It's a tangible. Yeah. And, and again, it's, it's like, I can never, never make it sense. And I've done this for free for so long. And like, I knew that what it would take, like the first seminar I ever did, I think I charged like 20 bucks and I took such a hit. It was in Australia. I went over for a powerlifting meeting. Like, Hey, you know, we want you to come lift, but we know it's expensive. We know you just got out of school, but as a, as a means of helping like offset the expenses, we'll host a seminar for free and you can charge whatever. It's like, I just spent 10 years of my life around people who already know this stuff. Like I never valued it. So then I was like, I don't know, like 20 bucks. Is that too much? And I did three my first year. And then I went back and did the same meet the next year and I did nine. And then since then I've done, I don't know, I'm probably in the hundreds now, um, especially by the end of the year. So it's like, there's this adage that you get taught with what little we get taught in, in business and chiropractic college. It's like, like, if you're good at something, don't do it for free. It's like, yeah, I saw the Batman movie too, right? Where the Joker wants to kill it. That's what he says before he smashes the guy's head into the pencil. It's like, no, no, no. If, if you're good at something, you need to prove your value, right? And that's usually so the advice. yes. That's okay. the advice I give to people. It's like, when I worked with Craig, I never made a dime. When I worked with Dan, even when I started working in his gym, I never made a dime off him. I never charged him. I think it's such a balance. It's so true because, I mean, like I said, I work with a lot of, like, entrepreneurs, and a lot of them are probably – they're probably charging too little for like the amount of experience they have, but at the same time, they don't have any clients online yet. Right. So it's like this balance of like, cool, you do need to, but you don't want to undervalue yourself from an energetic perspective. Like, I don't know about you, but like, I don't always want the cheapest trainer. I don't always want the cheapest person. If someone tells me the price of something and it's like too cheap, I'm a little bit suspicious. Well, I, well like, it's two things. Have you ever heard the Van Gogh or... anecdote? Yeah. You heard about that one? Wait, what? The anecdote about Van Gogh. No. That he was like sitting in a coffee shop and he was like doodling something on a napkin and someone and he was just sort of throw it out and someone asked him how much and he said six thousand dollars. And they're like, What? You just threw it on a napkin. He's like, Yeah, but you didn't see all the work that went into this. You didn't see the, like the tw years twenty years of, of dedication. Yeah. So I, I actually just had a friend, my uh, my new business partner out of Miami, he told me that like two days ago. It's just something like because I still struggle with it. Because especially in a field where well, it's because like, you're probably at a level where you can charge probably a little bit more than maybe you are. But yeah. at one point you weren't like you were like, no offense, but like kind of a no one in the space. Oh yeah, no, for sure. I still see myself as that, but it's like, there's, I mean, the difference between price and value. And every time I've hiked yeah. my price, I have seen a drastic improvement in my quality of life. 
it's like the 80 20 rule it's like yeah. i got rid of 80 percent of my problems that were 20 percent of my people and just because they didn't value to the same price that i was charging them now actually one of my clients is a clinical neuropsychologist and she was the one who told she sent me a mountain of research because it's hard when you're dealing in a space where it's like well, with what you could do you could get someone out of pain like i'm not motherfucking Teresa here like yeah. she didn't have the student loans that i have so it's like there's a weird obligation where it's like if someone comes to you and trusts you or they've been through a system and it's like you have a, a vastly different approach it's like i know i could help you but at the same time right. i live in the silicon valley my rent is x y and z so it's it's really tough i think like morally or ethically to navigate that um but i made a decision last going off in practice that i mean by the time i was done and this is mind you like i've been in practice for three years and now I'm, I'm just on concierge like i don't even own a brick and mortar anymore i was the most expensive cash rate chiropractor in the silicon valley yeah no one just even. because you made a decision yeah and i think that there's a lot of power to that i was the same as a personal trainer i was like i have the worst schedule i was just like you know especially in this space like we're we kind of grow up in scarcity a lot like especially the gym business like trainers are revolving door like people are out clients are leaving like we're in this constant state of scarcity like thinking our clients are going to leave us and i remember i had this aha moment it was like on a friday night i was driving across town to go personal train one person at eight o'clock at night for like 15 dollars. and i had this moment of like how the fuck did i get here like how is this my life right now like my friends and family were like doing weekend shit and I had that aha moment. I was like, okay, this is like, but I had just been saying yes and like begging for money for such a long time that like I ended up with a schedule that I was like, how is it my slave to this now? And at that point, I actually just doubled my rates. It was so scary. I read the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. And I was like, there's no way this would ever work for me. Like, I just was like, these things, like, he's like totally different, like, industry, different. He doesn't know my life, whatever. And then, like, over time, I started slowly just making a small couple changes and I doubled my personal training rates to like a hundred dollars an hour. And that was like double what anyone else is charging in a small town in North Carolina. And I lost probably 10% of my clientele as a result of the raise. But like I was working like half the amount of hours and making more money, but it was like after 10 years of personal training. So to your point, it sounds like both. And like, yes, when you're first getting started, you have to do shit for free and you have to follow your passion. You have to like realize you're not getting paid for a while. But then at some point you can turn that corner and go, okay, I am. I have done a lot. I, I do get to charge what I want. Yeah. Because there comes a certain point where it's like, it's a sacrifice you have to make to continue doing what you're doing. It's like, I remember like almost verbatim the same points in my life where I would drive back into practice. Or, I mean, I, I kept numerous jobs when I first started in practice because I didn't have a client base or a patient base. And like being on the 101 South for an hour and 45 minutes in a Ford F-150, guess what? You just burned $17 in gas <laughs> just fucking getting from exit 239 to 238. So it's just like, I won't be able to sustain this. Like, I, I won't be able to afford to keep my chips on the table and play this game, especially in the Silicon Valley. So it's like sink or swim, like, and, and just having a catalyst, whether it be a book or someone, or, or and likely it was a, it was a straw that broke the camel's back, like accumulation of the universe going like, hey, jackass, charge more. I, my, my wife was, it was the same thing. Like she, she saw what I did and contrasted it to how she had to work in the corporate sphere and was like, dude, like charge more. And obviously she was pissed. So I was like, Oh, I'm going to start charging more. Why? Oh, cause I had this patient who was a critical <laughs> neuropsychologist. Like, like, you fuck this. you. I've been telling you this for like three years. Uh, but no, it's hard though. Cause like you, at the end of the day, you want to help as many people as you can. But 
it's almost like going into like a CPR situation. Say the most important person is you, right? And it's like if you're fucking drowning, you're not going to be able to help anyone. And financially, especially with like student loans that I accrued, I just barely keep my head above water. And now it's like, mm-hmm. now it's a little bit different. But the hard part is, I don't think people are. I don't think, in my opinion, people aren't passionate enough about what they're pursuing to endure the, how many eight a.m.s or eight p.m. Yeah. single client cross down. Yeah whatever that that would be such a deterrent because like there's no external motivator that's going to get you up how do you increase your passion about something or do you just have a passion for something else but you can't make money at it like for someone who's listening to this and they're going i don't think i'm that passionate about anything can you increase i'm at a loss (laughs) of words i you know what i i have some friends friends acquaintances back home who i've been told through the grapevine have verbalized these words like i'm not really passionate about anything how did you not kill yourself like serious question i never maybe you're kind of passionate about a lot of things you're like oh i'm kind of passionate about my relationship i'm kind of passionate about my kids i'm kind of passionate about my job like i'm kind of just i mean because that's because that becomes like is there a lot of trade-offs right like okay cool like you're super passionate i'm not i'm not gonna say it cost you your marriage but like in a way yeah 100 percent did no because you're at a top level of what you're doing or and you're headed that way but are you is it okay or to be kind of passionate about multiple things but never actually excel at any of them yeah i guess i mean whatever makes you happy like the people i know who like have you know, uttered that phrase, they're they're happy as a clam. You'd have to drive a railroad spike through my brain for me to operate like that. I just couldn't. I, I, I honestly putting my like putting that into my brain. Okay, I would have to block it. I would have to block my schedule where I go. Okay, Monday from nine to noon, I'm gonna focus solely all in on this. Like maybe it's music. Like I used to play guitar back in the day, and still from time to time I'll pick it up. But when I do, it's like guitar goes here on a Thursday afternoon before I work out. Or post workout because it's parasympathetic or like weird shit. Like I have to compartmentalize it in my brain. Otherwise, it's just like even with what I the the subcategorizations of my job have to be blocked and scheduled, and they're all working toward the same goal. Where it's like, okay, maybe you're not as focal on your on your pursuit, but like I would have to put it like, okay, these three hours, I'm gonna scratch the fuck out of this itch, and then on to the next, and on to the next. I think as long as you're as long as you're all in when you're doing what you're doing like being present right and i think that but i'm i'm a broken toy though like me trying to process that i just can't which kind of sucks because i I really just kind of pigeonhole myself to one thing and like i know i don't have much like breadth of experience i'm not like a total meathead and i like to read things but when i read things outside of my scope it's to purely give me a lateral perspective yeah, sure. inside my scope, right? Like history, philosophy, Dude, that's psychology. why I love Twitter. I don't follow any fitness people on Twitter. Really? I follow all like philosophy, business, religion, politics, like, I mean, everything that, and it has like habit change, psychology, papers. Like, I, I just love that because it does enrich your arguments a lot more when you have these lateral disciplines, like yeah. kind of adding to. Twitter scares me. Yeah, I don't read it, any fitness people. I can't do Twitter. I can't stand. But I love the unfollow <laughs> button though. The unfollow button is like, it's like murdering someone. What are your criteria for unfollowing somebody? Um, pettiness. Like there's a lot of people in the fitness space who are just like this call out culture. Mm. Like I try to, and even in this podcast, I've tried to be really certain or like really careful of not saying I'm defined by not being someone else. 
Like, this is just what I do. And this is different for me. Like, I literally remember Facebook, you son of a bitch. We'll, like, loop back and give you those memories. Oh, yeah. I mean, when I was, like, in the thick of grad school, in the thick of chiropractic college, like, I, I'm, like, 45 minutes away from uh, CrossFit SF. So, like, where uh, K-Star is. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, 2013. Like, CrossFit was, like, taken over, oh, yeah. especially in California. Like, you had Pat Barber over the hill in Santa Cruz. You had Jason Khalifa, like two towns over. Um, Neil Maddox is in like the next town over. So it was like CrossFit epicenter. Rogue was crushing it. K-Star riding the wave. And like he came out and what was the product? Oh, it was a, for fuck's sake, it still kind of makes me bad. It was like a swivel bar for a standing desk where you could put your foot on it. And it's this bar, there's a piece of metal and wood just swiveled. I'm like, what the fuck? So I wrote this like angry, angsty, like pissed off Classic. post. It's like, why don't we just pin Kelly Starrett under our desk and repeatedly kick him in the face until he stops selling us nice. this bullshit? Yeah, but I look back now. It's like, <laughs> you know what, dude? If you gotta, if you gotta play the game, win the game. And if you want to talk in my space, like well, I used to fucking hate the ground you walked on, and now it's like, dude, dude made it. He made it out the other side. He used social media as a physical therapist to leverage a massive business, huge opportunity, massive contracts, residual income forever. And now he just, I don't know, surfs with Laird Hamilton or whatever the fuck he does. And it's just like, I used to be so resentful of that. And now in retrospect, looking back and to answer your question, like what what's criteria? It's that. It's a pettiness. It's like, you got to be able to transcend that. Because that just means you care more about other people than yourself. Like there's people now in like the nutrition space that are like, the worst influencers ever like i saw doing, that yeah it's like go fuck yourself man like again it's this hide and plain sight thing hey clickbait yeah and like that's terrible, what, sticky to me and what i love about podcasts and this is something i forget who i got this from i think it was craig actually he said like the, the medium is the message right and it's like my instagram stuff it's like yeah it's instagram it's you it's a scroll right you're not investing anything in it no. so it's like what do you want to see when you scroll yeah, that's a heavy deadlift. Yeah, that's you want to see the flash stuff. Yeah, so everything now is high res. Like, I'll write a blurb or something, like the old bait and switch. Like, here's a cool high res picture. Now learn something. But if I want to educate people, it's like the medium is the message. So it's like, all right, I can write. I mean, I, pretty much everything comes from my book, and then I just trickle it down. It's like, I'll write an article, or I'll develop a curriculum, or I'll do a YouTube video, or I'll, I'll do a podcast. And it's like, I can get more value across that way, where yeah. it's just like, I like, and earlier you said about being like objective and not being like um catas- catastrophi- catastrophizing mm-hmm. yeah i just in being objective now and being so worried about the stuff i put up in the past it's like operating from a stance of like i think i'm unimpeachable and a lot of that resiliency in my thought process comes from going into a room with 50 to 100 people and going this is what i think and waiting and traveling across the world and waiting for someone to go, that doesn't make sense. So every time it's like, it's like the London blitz in the war. It's like every time they thought they were just battering them to hell in like the caves under London or the tunnels under London, you're just fortifying them. Right. So it's like, I put my ideas out there in front of people that look me in the face. And if they can like give me a rebuttal and I can counter argue and my, my thing still holds water, this is solid. So if I put that on the internet, Someone goes, well, well, this. It's like, yeah, go fuck yourself. Here's 17 reasons why you're wrong. So it's like arguing from a position where you're not wrong empirically is like a really powerful stance. And that does, does that just take like experience? I actually really enjoy, um, 
I don't say trolling. Like I never enjoy like like a hater, someone just being like whatever. But I do enjoy discussion and I do enjoy um, people questioning because for me it always – and it, I don't automatically like go like, oh, that person's an asshole. Like I just – I go – I look at it. I try to see it objectively and like what's their intention. And then also it helps me um, refine my – communication of that idea right because it's so nuanced like so much stuff is nuanced so it's like if it's not coming across like sometimes i'll be surprised at how some of my stuff comes across and i'm like oh like for example i posted something about like uh choosing your perspective right like we get to choose our perspective on things and like that can make you feel a certain way and i wasn't even thinking about mental illness but someone wrote this big long thing that was like i really like your stuff except you never consider people with mental illness and like they actually can't choose their perspective because they're sick or whatever. And I was like, oh, like I just would never, I just didn't even, that, the post wasn't about that. So it's not that I'm going to go back and like asterisk everything, but it is also like, oh, that's interesting to me that like that's how that was read. You know what I mean? So it just helps me refine my communication and see things from all angles. Yeah, I, I don't come across much of it. The, the trolling I do get is, it's very much just personal attacks. Oh, really? Why? Because yeah. they don't like you because you're strong? Uh, I don't know what the reason is, but it's like, again. The reason that you didn't like Kelly Starrett? The medium is the message, right? So it's like, I'll expect a certain level of miscommunication where I can't explain myself past a certain number of characters. Or like, you just didn't right. read the full post. Another reason why I like Twitter. Get way better at communicating. When it was 140 characters, yeah. you had to get your your ideas into like the most concise, if you're trying to teach something. But it's you'll never be able to control no. the lens in which people view that through, right? Like one of my, uh, I'm a big fan of stand-up comedy, and Bill Burr is so good. He's yeah, he's he's probably one of my like say top five comedians. I mean, and, he's so crusty, but yeah. But it's the thing is the what the re- and one of my favorites is Ricky Gervais. Just I I think the British accent allows him to laser field navigate political correctness a lot better than most American comedians. But you don't get to decide what I mean. Right, and I think don't not giving up the power of like uh, engaging with people like that. Like, if you want to send me a DM, I'll direct you to a podcast or something where I've talked about it in depth. But I'm not wasting my time on you. You don't get to decide what I mean. Like in that case, it's like, all right, I wasn't fucking talking about that. It was one post. I'll do a. I don't know. I, I just have no, an I get it. I feel the same way. Well, because I feel like a lot of that engagement now is to to bolster their status by you giving them an audience and be like, look, sure. I mean, not, and maybe that, like that's a bad nature. case. That seems yeah. like a fairly diplomatic approach of like reaching out to you and a valid point to be had. Um, the irony of talking about mental health on social media uh, <laughs> is not lost on yeah, me. And I find yeah, it kind yeah. of funny when people leverage their own mental health issues to gain a following, but I digress. Um, Do you feel like on the whole social media is a good thing or not? Depends on for who. No, no, I think biochemically a resounding no, right? I, I think the frequency and exposure that you're getting to like um, like biochemical positive feedback is not something we're wired for, right? And this, uh, I forget who wrote. It's like wearing out those dopamine receptors. like constantly. Well, yeah, it's desensitization to stimulus. Like think of any hormone pathway in your body, like think of insulin, right? It's just that's where my brain goes right away. It's like, okay. You know what insulin sensitivity long-term is? Diabetes, Diabetes, right? So it's like, oh, maybe you need to take SSRIs because the serotonin receptors in which need to be inhibited in their reuptake um, are just fucking fried right. from double tapping. So I think removing it as a means of like a pleasure-seeking activity in your life and being objective and like 
that's why I, I'm really lucky in my career that I can go and talk to people. Because that, to me, like, even in all the competitive sports I've played in every arena, on every stage, on every platform, there is, like, if you ask me what I would, uh, what I love to do more than anything else, it's in front of a, pe- like, a crowd of people. And it terrifies me every single time. I didn't sleep for six months before my first seminar. Why? Like, what about be, it exactly? Like, I, I, I remember the first Instagram post I did that was, like, semi-informational. It was about, like, core training and stability versus strength. And it's ironic because it seems like I all, all I talk about now. And it went sort of viral, not because of the content, but because I'm like, fuck, I got 60 seconds. And I was talking so fast that people just started tagging their friends. Like, look at this fucking guy. I didn't understand a word he said. He's just talking a million. He's like an auctioneer trying to sell me on like a core exercise. And I was just so like, I was so worried when I put it up. Like, like I couldn't sleep at night because I was like, oh, what if the comments are going to be negative? What if they don't like me? Mom, what if they don't like me? And it's like, it's so faceless. It's like, who gives a shit? You know what though? I if I feel if you're listening to this, hopefully that feels inspiring to you because like you're, everything you're saying is you're so confident in your messaging now and you seemingly don't really care as much about like it just does, it just rolls off of you now and that evolution, like how did you get better at that? Like obviously like having the anxiety of my first post on Instagram and remembering it even. Yeah. I don't even remember what mine was. I'm sure it was food. And then <laughs> whatever, you know what I mean? And to, to get to the iteration you're at now, is it just reps or what? Well, no, I think just as you, you said you and Danny are trying to return to print, yeah. right? Which is so different. And it's so like diametrically opposed to the medium in which it gave you your platform that people will pursue you in print. To me, it's in person, right? It's such a weird business model that the reason I travel so much more now is because I, I've set up a, a means of promoting myself that allows me or that should on the surface be like oh yeah this guy could just work from home and i'll have to do that it's like no no no. biggest driver biggest kpi it's not likes it's not subscribers it's when i do that little thing on facebook where they go i'm flying from here to here and there's like that little red line and it goes like i'm leaving jfk and flying to miami that that perception of like this month this he's on the road again somewhere between new york and miami there is no one who's saying what he's saying because that's why he's going there. Because if there would, they'd find someone in, in rally because that's a lot shorter flight. I can see that visually on this Facebook map. It also doesn't scale, which I think we're actually returning to things that don't scale. Like at first, it was like automate, automate, automate. And yeah. I do think there is still a lot of things that, we, that can and should be automated. But I think because attention is really what we're in the market for, like our customers, like attention all the time, that if you have that FaceTime with someone, it is so unique and even so much more unique now that like it is, I think it's so much more impactful. Have you ever heard the founders of Airbnb talk about their like origin story? Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny you just, the way you worded it was so perfect, right? Like do things that don't scale. Yeah. And, and for me, it's like, you know, the, my lifestyle does not scale. I can't possibly spread myself any thinner. Like I could give you a, detailed schedule of every weekend of every place i'm going to be from now until 2020 i have some ideas for you i'm sure you do i'm sure you do <laughs> you you efficient you efficient businesswoman you. but it's just like in well what airbnb did what the founders did i think they're based out of the silicon valley if i'm not mistaken and then the earliest houses that bought into the system they showed up so they would get on a plane and go to new york and go to like a nice you know go to Brooklyn or go to Soho or whatever, show up with an interior decorator and a a photographer 
and be like, hi, I'm like the CEO of Airbnb. Let's try and make your place more palatable so people want to stay at your place. And they're like, are you fucking serious? I'm not letting this stranger in. And they're like, no, 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 legit. And that's what they did. And that was one of his lessons was like, do stuff that doesn't scale. And what little business pursuit I've gone into outside of just like banging my head against the wall and like trying to fix on the fly. That's something that across all my businesses now is something that I try and do. Like even with our online training platform, it's like, I don't want totally faceless. I, I, even if my time is a finite resource, I don't mind charging more for it because I'll find the people who value that time mm-hmm. and then we'll be able to get better results. So it's like doing things that don't scale is yeah, going to Jesus, I don't know, 40 cities, 50 cities this yep. year is not scalable, nope. but I'll do it yep. because that it seems like such a silly thing to be novel now that like looking people in the eye and having a so conversation. Weird. But it is. Yeah. Well, and you see it too, right? Like you, I've met some of the dial tones in the fitness industry and you meet them not behind so the different. lens of your iPhone on an Instagram or, and you're like, whoa, dude, you're playing like a character of yourself. Dude, you need to tell people that because that is such an important message that I feel like only people like who are traveling, like, you know, people who aren't traveling to live events. And like, I remember having this moment, I used to, where I, I worked at the booth at the Arnold in the Olympia for like oh, a long time. Oh, bless your cotton socks. Yeah. Oh my God. The I worst like $100 of the worst. a day. Yeah. Oh, for I sure. Was, I was a booth bitch for a little bit. And, um, you know, I remember meeting people who I had like, had been in the magazines and like really looking up to them. And this is like, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years ago. And like, they just didn't look anything like what you saw. And that was before like Instagram and everything. It was like maybe MySpace, but even MySpace, like people didn't know how to use social media. So you only put up like your top photos. And so I remember having this moment where I was kind of starting to come out of the fitness modeling and competitor stage. And I was like, I don't want anyone to ever think that about me. So like, I'm just going to rip off the bandaid. So you know how people want to take pictures with you at events? Yeah. I'm always like, and they're like, you want to check it? I'm like, nope, post that shit, post that shit. That became my mantra was like, just post it. I don't care if I'm like, my face is fucked up. If like my arm is smashed against my body, like whatever, just post it. And I started practicing that because I never wanted someone to think like, Jill's so different than she is in person. And I think, so like, what's your experience with that? Like, what can you tell the people so that they can feel better about themselves? Because I think sometimes we just like, we keep these people on pedestals. And if you keep someone on a pedestal, that means you automatically have to be down here. And I think that's bullshit. Yeah, uh, I mean, to a certain extent, that's true. Like, there's the saying, like, don't meet your heroes, right? Because you'll be disappointed. And I, I don't think it's a bad thing to, like, a- admire someone, but be very specific in what it is you admire about them, right? Like, like draw on certain people. Like, I like the way that guy thinks, or I like the way that guy trains, or, like, I don't like one individual person for one individual, or for, like, all of their attributes. Um jeez ah, i honestly that's tough because meeting them in person once like if you're like an enamored if you're enamored by someone meet them in person and that's why i think been proving value like the the fact you do like your mastermind and like your meetups and stuff if you see someone who can do that successfully and routinely it's like there's value there because that's why in my opinion when i hear you tell that story i think okay jill's value is not in how she looks right we're all going to look like shit eventually. We're all going to get old. We're all aging. Yeah, but it's like her value is in her information and that's timeless, right? So it doesn't matter if Jill's pulling a funny face or like her left eyes closed in the picture. Yeah, I'm like, am I adding value to someone's life? Yeah, yeah, but it's the people who are overly curated 
that it's like, what are you hiding behind the filters? Did you see that uh, Netflix documentary, American no. Meme? No. Holy shit. You have to watch. You, I know you're Netflix because you're not lonely. But I just watched Breaking Bad. Oh, okay. That's the only one. Okay, I can you have watch. to watch American Meme. It's like it's like an hour and a half, maybe, but okay. it follows thirteen influencers. Oh, I know one of them. I think John Call did that. Juji Mufu, maybe uh, the I guy who does the splits and is kind of jacked. Has a what? He does like the splits and he's super like acrobatic and he's kind of jacked. Um, uh, maybe. I, I, think I don't think he was like one. Of, but it was like Brittany Furlon. Uh, for well, I don't know how to say her name. Uh, Paris Hilton, the fat Jewish. But it was like some other people oh, too. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. And it was like. It was like some of them you could tell like really love it and like embrace it, and then yeah. other ones are like about to kill themselves. Yeah, no, I know people who have been like hospitalized with anxiety attacks and stuff because they've created a dissonance between their character and their caricature. Yeah, they had to keep it up because they feel like that's like if they don't, they yeah, don't make money, they're whatever. With I mean, with what it is you're selling, I think there's a certain amount of like there's a visceral response. Like people just come to me, like my DMs. And this I want to talk about your DMs too. Oh, well, there's nothing to talk about, really. It's just like my knee hurts. And then like maybe one in 3,000, there'll be a girl that message me who her knee hurts. Like that's the extent <laughs> of like what's going down in the DM as it were. But it's just like people don't reach out to me because of what I lift or what I do. It validates me in that particular arena. Like it's whether it's a chiropractic student who wants to get into powerlifting or whether it's a powerlifter who needs to know something about his knee or whether it's an athlete who needs to know something about strength and conditioning. It's just like, it's almost like I, I look at my perception online as like some sort of like cryptocurrency, like with how blockchain works. There's like a constant cross validation from a bunch of different sources that basically say, Hey, the money is there. And it's like any break in that block that devalidates or it invalidates yep. the currency, and it's no longer there. Got That's why it. it's very hard to, um, to, like, uh, fraud, um, duplicate or, or or make fraudulent cryptocurrency. So I look at my perception on the internet like that, where it's like I have a bunch of different validation sources that basically point back to me being the root of it, being the currency, and going like, you know, he's good, and it's like. And it's silly because it's like, well, powerlifters don't really know anything about manual therapists. They just know I'm a good chiropractor. They know I'm a decent powerlifter and I'm also a manual therapist. So they go, you know, he's good. He's a good chiropractor. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then chiropractors who like um, don't know anything about strength and conditioning. And he's a powerlifter guy. And then it's just like, oh man, like this guy's really strong. And it's just like, well, if you talk to these guys over here, I'm not that strong. But if you talk to these guys over here, it's like, maybe I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about at all. <laughs> and then like strength and conditioning is like, well, he's also a chiropractor. And then so like, there's this weird sort of like, cross pollination but it's it's different arenas in which i have to like adapt and it's like if there was a break in that chain that break would be at the level of me and i'd be in the hospital because like even at my lower level following i know people have millions of followers and it's like the bigger like that's almost a wedge like the size of your following the the size of your social capital is like a wedge that gets driven between so i need to be very careful and i'm mindful of this now that when I'm putting stuff out, like it is the same, it is not curated. It's not, I mean, the image might be filtered or whatever, but right. like the IP behind it is not contradictory because yep. the bigger that following goes, the bigger that wedge the gets driven. The more congruent you need to be. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's a huge thing. And as far as screening from that on the outside, it's like, look up the chain to different mediums, right? Cause it's like, yep. to watch someone on Inst- who does well on Instagram, try your hand at YouTube. And then or get that person on a or... podcast, right? I, I look for people like who will go to like the in-person or who will do the print media stuff. Because it's like you can write 50,000 words on something. Then I know when it's distilled down to 140 
characters of a a tweet. Did I do that right? Yep. Then, Are you just on? You're researching on Twitter. I had it. I had it in my like yelling into the internet days. Um, I've been told that it's a it's a platform for me for that very reason. It's like punching people in the dark. You know, I like it. I'll tell you why. And like, I mean, I really enjoy it. I don't really. You don't sell on Twitter. Like, you don't like sell or anything. But. Uh, when I noticed there was an opportunity when Facebook was really big and it was getting really noisy, I was building Jillfit and it was like, uh, Jillfit is a couple of years old and I wanted to start speaking more. I wanted to be featured in magazines. I want to start writing for magazines. And I realized that Facebook was way too noisy to do this before Instagram. Facebook was way too noisy to like reach out to anyone else in the industry and like kind of, uh, network that way. And so I got on Twitter and I tweeted 30 to 50 times a day oh God. for like two years straight. And I was following a lot of other accounts. It was making my writing at Jillfit a lot. Just the the arguments were deeper because it was talking about habit change and stuff. I'm like, a lot of people weren't really talking about that stuff, at least online. And um, I started connecting with authors. And because I built my uh, following organically, and you know, of course, if I reach out to someone, what's the first thing they do? They go look at my account. What's the follow to follow ratio? Is this person somebody? Blah blah blah. And um, you couldn't buy. I don't think. I don't even know if you can buy followers on Twitter. On Twitter. I don't know. Anyway, so when I reach out to an, a magazine editor, they don't have a lot of followers on Twitter, right? Because like no one really knows them. But like they were available for that conversation. Everyone on Twitter sees every single at that they get. Like you know, fucking every single person. So it was a smaller venue for me to have a real conversation and get access to people in the industry that I wanted to and also be seen as now an industry expert, even though I was, but I was the same as everyone else. But because I was able to grow that or falling organically, that kind of translated into other spaces. Is, is it saturated now? Is it too late for me? Dude, you would crush on it. Really? Yeah. Cause I, see, look, I do well on Instagram story. You would crush because of all these sound bites. Like you have these pithy, short, little sound bitey like things that would do well on Twitter. Uh, it's fucking what's going to be retweeted. Now you have 280 characters. Plenty of time. Plenty oh of, my God. I don't want to live in this world anymore. Dude, it was so fun. You're on planes all the time. Those are my biggest tweet days. Biggest Just tweet chillin'. days. And the second reason I like Twitter is because I try shit out there. Like, I don't know if I want to like do a full post or a blog or an episode on something, but I have an idea. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder if that has legs. Does anyone know what the fuck I'm talking about? And I'll put it on Twitter and just see, like see what the response is. You're like the fifth person this weekend that's told me about like oh no you and they use that same like sound bite like yeah so you're just a bunch of little quotes strung together behind a beard like it's like oh dude you should be like this you'll be my first at once i figure out how the fuck speaking of twitter. atomic habits james clear he actually sent me that book it's a pre uh pre-copy but we connect on twitter like before he was like just when he was just starting to blog really we connect on twitter before he was just starting to blog and now he's i mean his shit's yeah, like taken off and he's so awesome but yeah it's he was just talking about habits like like All no right. one's listening. You've inspired me. It's this, super fun. You could be like Dr. Just be a broadcaster. Like don't like you don't want to fuck around with discussions. Like I just got on, I did what was called tweetathons, where I would take like one concept, right? Maybe it's like perfectionism or mindset or something like that. And I would hashtag a whole like eight to ten tweets in a row with that like mindset or mindfulness or whatever. And it would just be like little like tools, tips, and that's it. And I would just like put out one of those a day. Okay. And All teach right. on like little little block things you can teach on. Oh God, it's stressing me out. I'm trying to, like, well, I'm trying <laughs> to go like so minimalism fun. with the whole social, like my Instagram, I turned off all the notifications. Yeah, like I'm sure. a lot better. Like I used to wake up in the middle of the night and just be like, yeah, because yeah. you get linked to like the financial little spike. You come like the coked out rat who just goes back for the Coke until he dies. And it's just like, fuck that. Like, no, like phone goes in the other room. I better now at like, okay, nine, 10 o'clock. 
no more no more people no more now it's like well, what are all, the, all these people doing let's go let's join this party but i don't know if it makes i don't think it. you'll ever wake up in the, middle of the night and want to look at twitter unless you're like i mean i don't know if you fuck with politics and stuff i enjoy it but it's so curate like you just curate it right like you hear your feeds so whatever i actually really enjoy it especially because i don't follow any fittest people like i follow my friends but yeah. other, that's it yeah it, the industry is it's a it's a blessing and a curse it's a double-edged sword so at a certain point, it's like, fuck you guys. I'm going to eat cake. Like, I, just, <laughs> yeah. I can't stand Dude, it. Dude, we're it making people more neurotic for sure. So, okay. So I do want to talk about your DMs though. Okay. Last thing. Okay. So you're single or yeah. are you single? Yeah. You're not single? Okay. So how do you date when you're on the road? Uh, ineffectively. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's weird because like, I made a joke about the DM thing, but it's like uh, my schedule is, like I said, like there's value in me going like, hi, I'm going from Lebanon to JFK. And it's like, holy fuck. Like, so I'm very active. And that's not my role. Like, oh, I'm going to be in this city. Like, put it out there. Let's put some feelers out. There's trap. I get it. But like, as a consequence of understanding like the storyboard marketing behind my like atypical life, like, yeah, you'll get people like, oh, like, oh, like you want to work out or whatever. Like, I know you from so-and-so. And um, dating's a lot different than it was eight years ago. And, and maybe it's just like, I was a... I don't know when I was 21. Yeah, I think I was 21. And it's like, was just starting grad school and like didn't have a career or like anything really figured out. Not that I think I have anything figured out now, but it's like, I miss the old days. What about the old days? Like, like courtship is pretty much dead. Chivalry, if it's dead, women killed it. Um, okay, that will explain that. Oh, it's just, it, there's a level of entitlement that you come across now but also a level of like, I'm hyper aware about how I look in front of a jury of 12. So take from that what you will. It's like, I have to be very careful. My, my whole career is my image, perception, right? We've talked about this. And I've seen it, and albeit justified in the cases I've seen it, with people maybe having a God complex and, and, and thinking they're they're owed the world and they're God's gift to women. So I'm like super hypersensitive about like protecting my image because like nothing, like work comes first. And that's one of the first things out of my mouth whenever I talk to someone in that arena is like, you are not a priority. And it's not malicious and it's like really hard to say that. Oh, and I have fact. to immediately add that little asterisk. Like this is not malicious, but I've sacrificed way more than the time that I've spent with you to get here you don't even enter on the radar and like that's not and again like i have to be very careful like this is nothing against you this is just yeah. where i'm at so it's just so then, it's, like how do you ever go deeper with somebody i don't i, I don't i don't see the I, I don't see the utility in it at this point and, I, and not to say like i'm some cart like hold cold-hearted bastard or anything like that it's just what keeps me warm at night is my laptop on my lap and I can just sit there and just go like that to me is like, if anywhere to take away from that and I were to miss an opportunity, cause like the compounding effect of the opportunities I've had and the people I've met and like, like, Hey, like just being able to say yes right now is really cool. Like my, one of my business partners is like, um, he's very well respected in the industry. He's very well traveled. And when I go anywhere with him, it's like, like I'm going to New York next week and I'm going to train with a guy who trains Calvin Klein and Jake Gyllenhaal. And it's like all because I was just like, yeah, yeah, sure. No, totally. We'll take a train from Maryland to New York City. We'll go to a fight at Madison Square 
and then we'll have dinner at like three in the morning with this guy. Sure. Yeah. Sounds good. Oh no, sorry. I can't. I got to be home. I got to FaceTime my girlfriend. It's like nothing. I mean, I'm sure the people have met are great people at the same time. It's like, you can't hold a candle that opportunity. Like you, no person can offer me what the freedom of my current lifestyle can offer me. So it's just, it's a, <laughs> this is probably going to be like worst singles out of all time. It's like, yeah, there's <laughs> a, he's a 28 year old narcissist uh, with, uh, he doesn't have no, time for you. I think it, honestly, I think our audience is fairly evolved. I think, you know, we've had a lot of, we're definitely, you know, even given what Danny and I have been through with our exes, like we're not like a man-hating podcast. Like, you know what I mean? We're you know, like, oh my God, I did a podcast. I mean, I told you about this. Yeah. The imagine like the the word, I, I had to look it up. I wasn't sure what it meant. At first I thought it was a good thing. Uh, toxic masculinity. Oh yeah. I got accused of that like real bad. I did a podcast with, it was two females were the host and I was actually a little nervous. And I'm sure Danny's was a very sweet person, but if I would have came in, it would have been like round table on the view with her here. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to get fucking pilloried on the internet again. No. Yeah. No, it's, it's scary. Like it's, uh, we it, have a pretty evolved audience to be honest. Like, I mean, you know, the fact that you can be like, yeah, I'm like still really good friends with like my ex who had like a two year affair. Like, I mean, we're, we're like, we're, like it. And the reason why, this we even started this podcast is because we felt like the storyline like there need to be more like we we didn't like the idea that like that's the perpetrator we're the victim end of story like i didn't like that that was the end of the road for this narrative so we like talked about like what came next right so i always feel like there's an opportunity to evolve to the next level so when you say you know i just i'm not really available for like a long-term romantic relationship like i'm not really available for that that's valid. Like that doesn't mean to me, that's just like, that's a life choice. I mean, it narrows your options. Certainly. Like, certainly I, there are consequences and you know what they sure. are. And they're exhausting. <laughs> I'm just, I'm at a certain age where I'm like, I'm so old, but I'm 28, no, but I'm not. just old. Like I've just, I have city wilds, obviously. I have, like if I have very little patience, and it's a yield thing. Like if I'm putting something, like if I sit down and put something into my work, I will get a one-to-one in that return or in like a, an, appreciation on that investment of time where and i look at people the same way and it's like within five minutes i'm like oh boy and who knows maybe i mean i'm sure people look at me and go oh, this guy's a, this yeah. guy's a he's absolute exhausting. sink of time like he's a useless so it's not like i think i'm like i'm just too distracted and so in the audience that is somewhat receptive to that proposition of like hey i'm in a different city every week for ever it's just like Usually a younger crowd is like drawn to that. And it's like, I know what I was like at 21, 22. So it's just like, uh, I need, it's weird. Cause I, I, I like a certain level of depth in conversation, but it's really hard to like meet someone that you've never met before. And then just like, all right, Hey, nice to meet you Doo, down the rabbit hole. Cause it's just like, cause it's the social niceties of like, you know, like I'll go get the door or whatever. Like that's hardwired into me. My dad raised me. Right. But it's just like at the same time, like, I'm going to give you the bare, not bare minimum, but like I'm not going to put on a show because I'm not going to overpromise and underdeliver. I will tell you what it's going to be like if you want to be around this dumpster fire for however <laughs> long you choose to put up with it. I'm not going to text you back right away. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to call you before bed. I'm not going to tell you where I'm going to be, when I'm going to be there. I'll talk to you when I talk to you. Sound good? No? Okay. All right. Yeah, on I can see that. One. But yeah, the success rate of that as a sales pitch is just visible right now but. well at the at, at um at the worst it's a service yeah you know what i mean like like it's inclusive sure i think this is the marketer and you coming out <laughs> 
you know, I think there's a lot of things that you could say that would maybe not be true just to placate or to please or to keep the peace or to even just, I don't know, have someone for a night or two. Like, you know what I mean? But it sounds like you're not willing to. Well, the hard part is when that transparency gets misconstrued as a challenge. Ooh, no, no, no. Yeah, well, that's that's an issue where it's like you're you're, Like, I actually just meant what I said. Yeah. Oh, no. But that's not uh, that's been the case a few times where it's like here's the deal it's almost to the point where i needed a writing it's like sign here initial here date here notary stamp it. <laughs> just because it's like yeah yeah but it's like no no, no this this the offer still stands but it's not going to change right yeah it's just it's strange it's just like the i feel like people's attention spans are short and social media probably has a lot to do with yeah. it um Valid. yeah i wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy well, you know what? It sounds like you are clear, which is, again, a service. Um, I do love social media. So you and I actually met on social. Yeah. Um, you know what it was? I was training at Gold's one day. This is years ago. Yeah. And then you like messaged me. You DM'd me, I think. And you said- Because you, you were on my Explore tab yeah, that yeah, day. Yeah. And I was like, we and I, like I hardly ever look at my Explore tab, to be yeah. honest. But like, we were working out and you were literally right next to me you at Gold's. You were doing some and I was like that thing crazy like this girl's moving way too much for my liking i'm uncomfortable <laughs> yeah jesus that was like three or four years ago yeah i mean you know i'm in there but i'm in there for like 30 minutes people are like you're yeah. out already and i'm like god so yeah. i have to go hard like i just so i was I, you were on my explore tab that day and i was like i seriously think i saw this dude at gold's today so i went to your page and i looked at your story and lo and behold there's some stuff from Gold's. And I was like, holy shit. So yeah, I messaged you. Yeah. And I was like, I think was, I, I literally think I was working next, out next yeah, to you. Yeah, it was you and like another girl. Yeah. We were doing like, I, you were doing push-ups on dumbbells and we're also rowing the dumbbells because yeah. they were the round dumbbells. And I thought, I literally thought to myself, I'm like, I hope she has a good dental plan. Because like <laughs> if she falls and one of those round dumbbells rolls, she's going to smash her face on the floor because <laughs> that's what I would do if I tried to do that. And then take 20 minutes later. I want to look that up. I'm going to go back and see That's like so what year funny. that was. Yeah. So ladies, if you want to be memorable, just do like circus shit at the gym and uh, it'll be memorable. <laughs> and yeah. Here we are. Uh, so funny. Well, I appreciate it. So this is the Best Life podcast. And the last question we always have for our guests is what do you consider to be your best life or what are you doing when you're living your best life? Oh, do something that you would die for. Easy. That's the easiest, and that's it's in a lot of ways a question I get for, like phrased a lot with a lot of different disguises, but that's a no-brainer. Like if you love something, let it kill you, and I don't think people are willing to go all into that extent where it's like, if I went out tomorrow, best life ever, easy done. That's yeah, that's an open and shut case. That's an easy question. Love it, cool. Well, thank you so much. This has been great, and working people. Hit you up in the DM. Ah, yes. This this part of the podcast. Uh, so Instagram does seem to be my mainstay of late. Uh, so it's at the underscore muscle underscore doc. Please, if you ever see me in person, reference my first name. Even if it's wrong. I've had people call me Jonathan in person. My name is Jordan. Just don't call me like, the, oh, hey, you're the muscle doc. Ah, really? I see, can't. I think you should embrace it. My own family calls me Jill Fett. Really? Yeah. No, I, I I push back as much as I can against like the dehumanization. Can you just get your name? Hey. Can you get your name or no? I I think it was taken at uh, the time. I don't know. Um, I was warned actually by a marketer to stick with it for social media purposes. But if you're gonna see me in person, just call me by my name because I feel like I should just change my passport and my driver's license to like at the underscore muscle. It's just like oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't like the 
the uh, the impersonal relationship that it starts off with. But uh, Instagram, I digress, at the underscore muscle underscore doc, D-O-C. Um, podcast is called? Podcast, yeah. Uh, Rx Radio, Rx apostrophe D Radio, um, iTunes and Spotify, I think. Anywhere I, you can listen to podcasts. I think that's it, yeah. And then website, www.themusclelock.com. Programming. Muscledoc.com? Yeah. Okay. Same as the handle. Cool. Um, and then programming, like exercise programming, corrective exercise, all that stuff is www.pre-script.com. And I think that's it. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, they will reach out to you. And um, you guys, let Jordan know what you think of this episode, if anything resonated with you. And of course, meet us in our closed Facebook group, thebestlifepodcast.com. Uh, where we always have our post-podcast discussions. Let us know what you thought, what you took away from it, and connect with Jordan, and make sure you call him Jordan or Dr. Jordan to his face. No, no, no. No, no, okay. no, no please not the doctor stuff. I just play one on the internet. Okay, just plays one on the internet. All right, you guys, have a good one, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.